I know, he sounds like the perfect man. He can juggle fire. It's what every little girl dreams of. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to that pretentious book club. Welcome, welcome. Why do you start laughing? I I surprised myself by how quickly I hit the record button. Oh, Usually, I, I I take like a half a second before I hit the record button to like mentally prepare myself, uh-huh, and uh-huh. my brain is just in a lot of places, and so I just went ahead and hit record, but I had not even for a half second prepared myself, so I was like, oh my god, we're <laughs> recording, and I pressed the button. You're like, oh, we're starting, we're starting. We're starting now. Your own fault. <laughs> Literally my own fault. I like to be my own worst enemy. It's like my favorite hobby. Incredible. Yeah, anyways, that over there is Dr. Spoons Palermo aka Kendall Shaw. Hi, howdy. And over there, what? I think there's a bit of a lag. I know. I think there was a bit of a lag. So for me, I was just like, I introduced you and then there was a really long pause. And then you're in What if I just refuse to say anything? (laughs) I would be like, and I was like, and uh, she usually says hello and howdy right about here. And what if I just do the whole episode where I just, and I say something and then I answer what I think you might have said. Would be a really interesting experiment, honestly. It really, really. <laughs> I feel would. like you would. I think you would do a really good job, honestly, being able to decide what I would say. I hope so. We, I feel like we know each other pretty well. We do. We we do. You definitely like know me as well. But I feel like you're always like keep up with like what's trendy and stuff more than I do. Like. <laughs> language-wise like you know more of like what the words the kids are using so i learn new uh, ones yeah. from you every episode so i the kids I would, these days yeah i'd be a little confused but uh well let me let me go ahead and do my thing uh that's uh <laughs> the non-trendy one over there mm-hmm. is uh ash o'rourke <laughs> you can call her wheezy it ain't easy being wheezy especially because i just realized i forgot my notepad <laughs> what happened over here it was like a five second pause that's so weird really doing it oh this is funny (laughs) the internet is something with us today oh Oh, that's funny i i forgot my notebook that i usually take my time code notes in so i'm just gonna take them on my phone i guess today and hope it doesn't die because it's on 11 percent. i found a burr if you guys are not from the South, you might not know what that is, but it's a little spiky thing. I'm showing it in the camera, and I keep finding them in my guys. carpet, and they hurt, and I keep stepping on them. Like, what even are they? I feel like they just exist. They just Do exist. Do we know what they are? No. Evil? Pure evil? I don't know anything. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I sometimes think about how, like, little I know about how things work. Mm-hmm. Like, I just accept that my TV works. I kind of... I know I could look things up and be like, oh, how fascinating. Yeah. And instead, I'm like, oh, my God, it's magic. Like, yeah. I just refuse to learn, I, do I guess. Too. I'm ignorant I do that, too. On purpose. I, I am about a lot of things, too. But it is funny, like, the extent to which a lot of us don't know how stuff works. Like, I saw this thing that said, um, it was so funny. You might have seen it going around. It was, like, the picture of a side of, like, a milk carton. Some, like, little, like, dairy farm or whatever from, a, like, a little dairy farm. And it had, like, the mm-hmm. names of the cows that the milk came from. Like, all their milk cows on the side. And it was oh, really yeah. Cute. And somebody commented and was like, oh, my God. Notice how all of the dairy cows have girl names? Like, this is misogyny <laughs> runs deep. And somebody was like... That's where the milk comes from, actually. So what really someone said was that they wouldn't want to drink milk milk that comes from a bull, which was disgusting. But- oh, my God. People, 
I'm begging people to just think for five seconds before they say stuff. You know, we all have our moments. We, we all do. have our blonde moments. We do. But sometimes, you know, that one a was thought. a little. I was like, wow, wow. <laughs> right, oh, no. right. People are dumb. Right. That's uh, right. Yeah. We're all a little well, bit disconnected from the way that our worlds work. It's a little oh, scary. Sure. But at the same time, you can't know how everything works. Like, no. You know, got to leave some up for, you know. So you can continue to believe in magic. Actually, no, oh, sure. just, because you, just because you can't know everything. And that's why people specialize in different stuff. Yeah, like just go talk to an expert. You know? Yeah, exactly. Or Google is your best friend. Google is um, so your best friend and YouTube. If you guys want to skip our nonsense do the skip notes. We can say that. But yeah, for all I you was skippers, just gonna hold you, you guys skip. hostage. You make it convenient and easy. Yes. I was going to just hold y'all hostage. <laughs> it's quick, it's easy, but... and it's free. Quick, it's easy, it's free. <laughs> Use the skip notes. It'll save your sanity. Or <laughs> will it? <laughs> Anyways, how has uh, how's how's your week your... been? Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. No, you go great, first. No, after you. No, you go first. <laughs> you hang up first. Oh my god, no, you hang up first. Oh, so cute. Um, we're adorable. Um Yeah. <laughs> we are. Well, my week has been good pretty much. Oh, I forgot. I have I guess I haven't I've texted you, but I mm-hmm. should just let everyone know. I'm in my Elvis Presley era right now. I am full on an Elvis girly at the moment. She is, yeah. I saw the Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie mm-hmm. one week ago today. It feels like a lifetime, though. So your world honestly. has changed in a week. It really has. My whole worldview has shifted. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Elvis focused. You um, missed my Elvis phase. Am I like, I would think I was when I was you like. You went through an Elvis phase? Oh, when I was like 14 or 15, I went through an Elvis phase. And oh, nobody was, yeah. nobody appreciated it with me. <laughs> I was just all alone. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. But just, like, so I was thrilled when you were like, intense. I'm going through an Elvis thing. Yeah. You, yeah. Did, you did seem excited over your text. So I, I was, was like, oh, thank goodness. I was like, amazing. Um, I didn't know this was something other people experienced. I'm so pleased. <laughs> I truly feel like I am connected soul wise to the 1957 girlies, you know, like yeah. we are the same. Like uh-huh. I understand them completely. Oh yeah. It's just, there's something about him. I don't know uh-huh. what it is. Apparently my Mimi had like a huge appeal. crush. It is the sex appeal. My Mimi oh. had a huge crush on Elvis and her parents did not approve because oh, of course Elvis not. and he would dance with his hips, man. Oh my God. Elvis, Elvis is pelvis. pelvis. What yeah. a whore. oh god yeah so i love the movie and then i have been listening to elvis all week uh and my favorite elvis song currently is called you're so square and then in parentheses baby i don't care have you Uh, ever heard it no i haven't but that's (laughs) i mean the title alone is excellent the title just tells you exactly what the song is about and it yeah. cracks me up because I'm like, oh my God, he's talking to me. I am so <laughs> square, but he doesn't even, he wouldn't even care. But he wouldn't even care. Like, <laughs> Elvis would love me anyway. He doesn't even care. He would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wonder if I Billy else... the kid is jealous right now. The thing is both of these guys can just get bitches, you know, and <laughs> I am, I am entitled if they're going to sleep around, I oh can too, you know, with my fictional 
being in love well i guess that was not fictional but oh my god you're like this is a consensual polyamorous situation it really is like billy's just gonna have to be okay with it i'm sorry um i bet he's not i mean he'll always be my number one but you know right now i'm an elvis (laughs) Elvis is your side thing so oh for sure for sure yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so has that been your whole week that's that's pretty much all i have to report this week um Oh, yeah, great. I think that's it for me, you know? Sweet. Um, trying to think if I have anything interesting this week. Javi got back, and then he left Yay! again. So. What? <laughs> yeah, well, he got back. He was here for about two days, and then he had to go take care of some stuff with his unit. And so now he gets back again tomorrow. So luckily, not mm. gone as long this time. But um, I can't wait for him to come home. He was only here for two days. Uh, so I'm excited for him to get back. And then um, I'm trying to think of anything else, any updates with the farm animals. Winnie got his last shot, so that's good. Yay, Winnie! Yeah. A healthy he, boy. A healthy boy who threw up in my car three times on the way to the vet. And then once <laughs> on the way back. Yeah, oh, God, Winnie. Yeah, he. we got about, and Javi was so nice. He was driving like 20 miles an hour on the way out of the neighborhood because it's kind of curvy and we know the dog gets car sick. But we were about three and a half minutes into the trip when Winnie threw up the first time. And I was like, Oof. we've been in the car for three and a half minutes. And then on the way back, we stopped at a dollar <laughs> store so Javi could go grab a drink. And so we're sitting there parked in the parking lot. And all of a sudden I hear, and I look in the back and Winnie's, he's dry heaving because he's already thrown up so much. But I'm like, Uh, we are parked, Winchester. We're parked. (laughs) This should not be affecting you. Yeah, I I think it's anxiety. He really does not like getting in the car at all. So Javi had to like pick him up and put him in the car and pick him up. And he, we walked into the vet and he peed on the ground, the dog, not Javi. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I was worried there for a sec. I know. Yeah. So, but luckily we don't have to do that again for a while because that dog should be tranquilized, honestly, for car rides. He just doesn't calm down at all. He won't calm down. He refuses steadfastly. Ugh, poor guy. Well, I... Oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was just saying. Oh, no, you. No, <laughs> no, you. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Juicy's the exact same way. I'm like accepting now that I cannot take her in car rides last more than five minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she is just going to have to have a sleeping pill or something if I yeah. ever decide to move. Yeah. Like anytime that like, she yep. will not, she cannot handle it. So yeah. I get you. That's what Javi and I said. Javi and I are going to have to tranquilize him and put him in like in a trailer. Like he's not riding in the car. It's yeah. going to be him vomiting the whole trip. Like, we Poor can't guy. do that. Yeah, it's rough. And then um, we moved all the baby chicks from their brooder in the garage to a big brooder out in the coop. So now they're out there with the big chickens. But yeah. the big chickens can't peck them to death because they're protected in a brooder. So that's nice. Oh, good. We're going to merge the flocks soon. Uh, they just needed mm-hmm. the little ones to get a little bit bigger. And then we'll merge mm-hmm. the flocks and they'll all be free-ranging. And then the Bennett sisters, the Keats, the little guinea babies that we got, they're all in the garage and their brooder. And they are it's straight wild. Yeah, they're all still alive. I think it's knock on wood. I think they're going to make it. But they are so funny because they're, like, wilder now than the day that we got them. Like, they do not like <laughs> to be touched. They do not like to be looked at. They do not like you to clean out their thing or even give them more food. They act like wild birds who have been caught. And, like, really <laughs> freaked out wild birds. They're not even, oh, no. like, remotely calm wild birds. They are. It's so funny. Ugh. 
those Bennett sisters, there's no tame those in them. Ben- you know? Not at all. They're just out, they're 100% panicked all of the time. If oh, you're in God. There. Yeah. Poor and they're, guys. they're so loud, too, because Guineas, their whole thing is that they're loud. But I picked one up yesterday and I was on the phone with Javi and Javi was like, is that what is that sound? And I'm like, that is a guinea. It is so loud right now because I picked it up because they are <laughs> they're like probably 10 times louder or more than the chicks. Like they are. Oh, yeah. I could already tell that, you know, they're mm-hmm. super loud. Yeah. They they're going to be great little watch birds. They are. And apparently they're French guineas. That's the breed because they're oh, prettier than the other ones. Ooh got. la la. Ooh la la. French guineas. So that's pretty much my updates, which is just farm stuff. Oh, and the bees have found us. All of a sudden, the last two days, there have been so many. There have been honeybees and bumblebees in my garden the last two mornings. Like, they've doubled every day. I don't know where they're coming from, but they really like my squash blossoms. I bet you if I I could get you some beeswax, and I bet if you put it out there in your garden, all the bees would come. I bet Because they flock to it. I mean, it is crazy. I love that. Yeah, we're going to get bees because we want to keep bees. But And I think I was going to put the tank out there, but I think I'm going to instead under those trees near the garden, I'm going to put the bees. But I don't know when we're going to do nice, that nice. yet. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. But that's pretty much my update for this week. It's just like kind of boring farm chores. A very cottage core. Very, very cottage core. Although I don't ever, as we've covered, I don't ever look cottage core. I look sweaty. And right, gross. right. <laughs> I look very disgusting. We're going sent, for realism, you know. We're going for realism. Yeah, I sent you that video, right, of my arm after the hay, after I moved the hay. Yes. Disgusting. That looked crazy. It was gross. I'll yeah, share that for you dirty. guys, maybe. It was, I took off my glove, and it looked like I was wearing, like, a dark sleeve all the way to my wrist, and then there yeah. was just my white, white hand where the glove had covered <laughs> you me. You guys want to see a dirty, dirty arm? <laughs> follow so us on Insta. Yeah, follow us on Insta. Anyways, uh... Should we get into our book for this episode? Yes. Are you a woman podcaster looking to take your show to the next level? If the answer is yes, then you need to come to She Podcasts Live this October. You'll be able to learn from some of the best female podcasters in the world and get insider tips on how to make your podcast even better. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, this event is for you. Not only will you be able to learn tons of new information, but you'll also be able to network with other amazing podcasters. Podcasting is one of the most popular ways to consume content, and the industry is only going to continue to grow. If you want to get in on the action, visit She Podcasts Live in Washington, D.C. from October 11th to 14th, 2022 at the MGM National Harbor. Go to ShePodcastLive.com to get $50 off your ticket with the code PBC. And one more time, because this is such a cool event and I really want you guys to check it out, that is ShePodcastLive.com with the code PBC to get $50 off your ticket. Okay, this week we're doing Ink Heart by Cornelia Funk. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, was this a book rec or was this just something that we uh, It was a book rec from me. I ah. put it on. Ah. So. <laughs> This was all me. <laughs> Most of this season, I feel like, has been you. I really went ham this season. I was like, you I did. have access to this reading list. I you can do it. <laughs> no, it's excellent. We I are think, reading all I think, of my old favorite books. Yeah, exactly. I think I just pretty much picked like uh, books for our holiday episodes. And then between Kendall and, and y'all, y'all listeners, y'all filled up the rest of the y'all list. listeners. Yeah, y'all we listeners. you and me, guys, we really did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You really, really did. Um, (laughs) So do you want to tell us about Cornelia Funk? I do, I do, I do. Okay, 
Well, first I should preface by saying how I found this book. Okay, so I was in like fourth grade and uh, there's a magical thing called the Scholastic Book Fair. <laughs> if you weren't aware, all of our yeah, listeners are like, yes, we worship it. <laughs> it is the I'm great gathering. Sure. Seriously, it's like where we <laughs> we all have our origin stories at the Scholastic yeah. Book Fair. Uh, but like maybe, I don't know, international people, if you're listening, um, mm-hmm. the Scholastic Book Fair is basically like Scholastic, you know, book publisher people. <laughs> they imagine, up, like, imagine you've been in class all day long, right? Doing yes. all kinds of gross math and science and things that none of us care about at all. And then they say, we're going to let you off an hour early today and your parents are coming to school or you're going to come back in the evening was another way that they would do it. And you're going to come back with your parents and friends. Yeah. And basically you would go into like your school's library or something, but it no longer looks like the library, you know, instead there are shelves and displays of cool, like little like toys and like bookish nerd stuff. And some of it's kind of like school book stuff. But a lot of it is just, like, really fun, like, middle grade and YA fiction stuff. And all kinds of book knickknacks. Yes. And you get to go in there and you get to buy stuff. And it's awesome. You, It is amazing. Your parents, like, if you remember to tell them and they were able to, would give you, like, $15. Uh-huh. And you would bring it to school and spend it at the Scholastic Book Fair. Yep. And you could get, there had posters, they had books, uh-huh. they had fun erasers. erasers. Pens. Erasers, yes. A lot they of had cool everything. Erasers. It yeah. was the best thing in the whole world. It so anyway, wonderful. I'm in fourth grade. I'm at the Scholastic Book Fair. And what do I see? Oh, what is that? It's a really cool looking book. It's called Ink Spell. It's Ooh. purpley blue. It has uh-huh. an awesome cover. It has fairies on it, like mm-hmm. I love cool it. little magic creatures on it. I pick it up. I'm like, I want this one because I love the cover. Yeah. It is huge. You're thinking, I'm thinking, can I actually read this? The only things I've really read so far in my life have been Babysitter's Club books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But I bet I can do it. Oh, uh-huh. and like, you know, because of Winn-Dixie and that kind of stuff. Oh, God. So. I buy it with my, you know, $10 that I have at the Scholastic mm-hmm. Book Fair. I take it home. I devour it. Uh-huh. And then after I'm done with it, I realize it's the second in a series. <laughs> I used I to do that the all the time. One. Yeah. Yes. So then I went and read Inkheart, which is the one we're reading today. Uh-huh. So basically, our girl Cornelia wrote this series. And Cornelia was born on December 10th, 1958. Which makes her a, I don't know, Sagittarius. Oh, I should have known. (laughs) We just covered this. But C.S. Lewis was a Sag, right? They're all Sages. Everyone's a Sag. There are. You guys, there is a disproportionate amount of Sagittarius authors. Like, there's so many. Yeah, what's wrong with y'all? Yeah, why are there so many of y'all? Y'all are crazy. So she is a German author. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is from West. Westphalia, Westphalia. Sorry, I have been in German German. for many years, but I do not. um, I'm not good at it. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) she uh, was the oldest of four siblings. She grew up kind of like, seems kind of like a rural area. She grew up and became a social worker. So she was like working with kids all the time and stuff Mm -hmm. and, you know, read them stories, that kind of thing. Then after being a social worker, she started working as a book illustrator. 
Mm-hmm. And then she started writing books in the late 80s. So Ooh. she's been writing for a long time. And she writes like fantasy children's books, basically. Like all of uh-huh. her stuff is fantasy children's books. Excellent. And she's actually like extremely famous in Germany, apparently. She's like, she's like their big deal wow. um, children's author, which like good for her. Yeah. Actually, probably a lot of people have either read something that she's written or, like, at least heard of it because she yeah. wrote the Ink Heart series. And then she also, like, I'm just thinking of ones that we all kind of knew. And she also yeah. wrote The Thief Lord. Uh-huh. So a lot of people read The Thief Lord when I was yeah. younger. She wrote Ink Heart in 2003. And it, so it was actually written in German. And then they were reading the translation. So, oh. which is interesting. That is interesting. And she has sold over 20 million copies of her books worldwide wow Isn't that cool so she's pretty successful she really is yeah she's also written the dragon rider series and uh-huh. um, some other things she was chosen by time as one of the 100 most influential people in the world for their 2005 list and i got what? that from wikipedia that is but yeah wild. isn't that cool that is so cool. Um, and she seems super nice. I really want to like write her a letter. <laughs> you should. Uh, yeah, I really, really want to. <laughs> but I feel it. like she's too famous. She'd be like, who cares? Oh, yeah. And she has um, two kids. Aw. So, cool. Yeah. Sweet. And oh, as of now, she lives in Italy. Ah. Which is where a lot of this book is set. Yeah, it is. I always forget about that. I've seen the movie multiple times. It's set in Italy. What a thing. I'm always like, oh, Italy. And then I'm like, oh, Italy. And then I'm like, Italy? Like, I have I have such mixed feelings about Italy. <laughs> I like, know. My, my first thought when you said she lives in Italy now was like, oh, I'm sorry for her. And then I was like, no, Ash, that's not correct. <laughs> well, like Italy, Italy is Ash. quite lovely. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. She's not living with your Italian family. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I got to remember that. Not all of Italy is like that. Ugh, actually, Italy <laughs> is beautiful. I would love the adventure that they go on here is excellent. It's also like the best of Italy, even though lots of like insanity is going on. Yeah, um, it sounds really pretty. Yeah. Well, should we do? Uh, should we do the summary? Yes. 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 Okay. I'm gonna I'll do my try best, not to interrupt but... too much. No, you're welcome to interrupt. This is a very, very long book that she picked. It's long. So yeah. I'm gonna do my best, but we might be getting the Sparks Notes version. Via my we don't brain. have to say like every single thing yeah. that happens, you know. It's well, I finished reading it a couple days ago, so that's why I'm just saying there's a good chance I'm only gonna remember the highlights. But um, because my memory is that it's that fast. If I finished it a couple days ago, I'm already <laughs> losing stuff. But I really enjoyed it. So we start out, and we've got um, these characters: Maggie and her father Mortimer, who goes by Mo, and Maggie is the daughter. She's like 12, I think. She's 12, um, yeah. Yeah, she's 12. And she calls her dad Mo. And she always has called him Mo. And everyone pretty much calls him Mo. And um, basically, all she knows about her mom is that her mom went away when she was three years old. So that's mm-hmm. she doesn't. That's about all she knows about the mom. Um, it's all kind of mysterious. They basically travel around Europe, and um, Mo is a he. Like, he's a bookbinder, so he like people who have got these like beautiful old antique books that need new bindings. He rebinds them, which is very cool. And he and Maggie are both like the ultimate book nerds. They read all the time, but um, he does not read out loud ever. Uh, so they're staying in this like really pretty like farmhouse in Italy. It is in Italy, right? I think they're in Germany. Oh, actually. they're in Germany, and then they and go then because Italy. they do say 
but I don't think they ever actually say it, but they do say at one point, because I was trying to figure it out. Yeah. But at one point they say like, oh, she lives in Italy and she lives south. So I'm like, okay, Cornelius from Germany. They're saying she lives in Italy. So that means they're probably not in Italy. Yeah. So I'm just assuming they're in Germany. But yeah, who knows? I would assume so. My microphone is being crazy. Um. So anyway, they're somewhere in Europe. Europe is all much closer together than here. So it's not a big drive <laughs> from Germany. Yeah, to they're Italy. fine. Yeah, they're, it's not a big road trip. Um, anyways, so they live in this farmhouse and it's just full of books and they read books all the time. And one night it's like raining. She looks outside and she sees somebody standing on the lawn and she's like, this is kind of creeping. He's just like looking at the house and she's like, um, uh, Mo. And so, so she goes and she tells Mo, and Mo's like, "You're probably imagining things," um, but guess what? He's not imagining. She's not imagining things. Uh, so this guy comes into the house, and he is—he's so funny. He's got a little Martin with him, which is kind of like a little weasel thing, and it has horns. But he says that he glued them on because he's a street performer who like juggles fire and stuff. Um, and it's very cool. And Mo I am clearly so knows obsessed the guy. With him. I'm just gonna say it right off the bat. I'm not. Surprised. I am obsessed with him. He, he was has, like my yeah. first obsession. Yeah, he <laughs> has the energy of someone who would be your obsession. You're attracted to a very specific energy, and Dustfinger has it. His name is Dustfinger, by the His way. His name is Dustfinger. <laughs> it's good. Uh, he's kind of the worst, though. Like it's. Yeah. I, anyway, bit. we'll talk about it. But. He's a little bit the worst, but you also you feel for him so much, but he's a little bit the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, they uh, they reconnect. Basically, Mo and Dustfinger know each other. Clearly, they clearly have a history. They're not exactly pleased with each other. And Dustfinger is kind of seems like he might be hiding something. Dustfinger has come to warn Mo that Capricorn, this big mysterious baddie, is coming to... Uh, to get him, he's coming to get Mo and the book, and so Mo is like, well, at first he's like, I don't, I'm not really worried about it, like it's it's on my radar, but we've gotten pretty good at avoiding him. But Dustfinger basically convinces them that they need to go somewhere safer, and so they go see Eleanor, which is the aunt of Mo's wife, the mysterious wife who's disappeared. Her aunt is Eleanor, and mm-hmm. Eleanor lives in Italy. Um, in a pretty affluent area, I believe. And she has this insanely beautiful mansion and it is like full, like full, full, full of books. But whereas like, so was Mo and Maggie's like farmhouse, but they were all kind of stacked haphazardly everywhere. Eleanor's book collection is precise and beautiful. And it is all like on, everything is on a shelf. Everything has its place. And she spends so much money collecting really really nice <laughs> yeah and really really old books. she is loaded she's loaded she's straight loaded and she doesn't really like children she doesn't really <laughs> like most people she pretty much just <laughs> likes books even mo she doesn't even seem to enjoy that much like she she approves of him as a person basically which is as really as close as you get yeah. to her liking you so they're <laughs> yeah. there and um he, mo asks if she if she can hide a book for him a book that he's that he has bound himself and brought with them uh, spoiler, it's the book Inkheart. Inkheart's the name of a book. And uh, not this book, but a book inside the book. It's Bookception. <laughs> but he has Eleanor hide it, basically, for them. And then they're going to stay on, and he's going to bind some of, rebind some of Eleanor's old antique books. And Dustfinger came with them. And so 
one night Deathfinger uh, wants to show Maggie some of his fire tricks. So they go out on the lawn and he shows her fire tricks. But then all of a sudden she gets this, uh, Maggie gets this really bad feeling and she goes back inside and basically what happens is her father, Mo, is kidnapped and he's forced to like take the book with him. Well, they say it's the book. And then, um, so left behind, these are Capricorn's men who come take him away. And uh, so Dustfinger, Eleanor, and Maggie now are all left behind with the real copy of Inkheart. And Mo has been kidnapped by Capricorn's men, and he's being taken to Capricorn's secret base in Italy in this old kind of abandoned village, which is a very, very cool setting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we love it. <laughs> I mean, we don't love that he's been kidnapped, but we do love the setting that he was Oh, no, I, to. yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, same page, same page. They basically, Maggie's like, we have to go after him. We have to save him. And Eleanor's like, what if we, why shouldn't we just call the police? The whole time Eleanor's like, I just want to call the police. Like she's just being very reasonable. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, this is not the place for that. This is a, a middle grade fantasy, Eleanor. Don't you understand? The police can never help Eleanor. you in, in a middle grade fantasy. No way. Come never. on, get with the program. Yeah. So, uh, so they all kind of set off and... Dustfinger knows where the village is, so yeah. they just, like, drive there. Yeah, they just drive in. When they get there, Basta is, like, takes them to Capricorn. Yes. So Basta is one of Capricorn's henchmen. He's, like, the big bad, you know, henchman character. Like, the big three characters that we kind of get a feel for from the story of Inkheart are Capricorn, the ultimate villain, Basta, his very evil henchman, but who's very superstitious and so very, like, afraid of, like, superstitious-y things, and then Dustfinger, who's kind of kind of a, the protagonist. He's a thief, um, but he's basically... He's, like, just, like, a trickster guy. Yeah, he's, like, like a trickster I, guy, yeah. I want to read Inkheart the book. Yeah. Not this book, but the book in the book. Yeah. So bad. Like, I want intense. to know what is going on. Yeah. Same. Because I'm also, like, I want to know, like, how... I'm always curious, like, confused as to how much Dustfinger is the main character or not, or, like, yeah. if he is... I feel yeah. like he's not the main character. He's just, like, in it. Yeah. Like, it feels weird to me. But yeah. anyway, I want to read it super bad. I know. But, yeah, I don't think we actually said that. But you do find out that they are from the they book. They are from the book. So. Uh, basically, what happened is that Maggie's father one day, when she was three years old, uh, he and and her mom were reading together. Teresa's her mom's name. And uh, Mo and Teresa were reading Inkheart, this book that they'd gotten secondhand because they used to collect secondhand books and read them together. And as Mo was reading out loud, like these men, Basta, Capricorn, and Dustfinger, all appeared like in the middle of a sword fight in their living room. And the two cats disappeared that were sitting on Teresa's lap along with Teresa. So basically, the idea is Mo can read things out of the book, but for everything he reads out of a book, something from our world gets taken into the book. They swap places. And so ever since then, um, Maggie's mother has been trapped inside the book, Inkheart. And these big baddies have been just wandering around the European countryside, causing mayhem. Cornelia is so good. Like, I know. She's a genius. She's, she's a, genius. a genius. She's a, she's a genius. She is. I'm obsessed. Um, it's really good. So anyways, they go to try and rescue Mo from Capricorn's lair or whatever. Uh, Basta catches them. Uh, he brings them up to see... Capricorn. Capricorn has basically tracked down every copy of Inkheart the book and he's burned all of them except for one because he needs he needs Mo to read someone out of Inkheart for him. And that's his whole that's why he's been trying to kidnap Mo and trying to get rid of every other copy of Inkheart. Um so 
that's unfortunate. They get like locked up in a dungeon. I'm trying to yeah, think. Yeah, and they find out that Dustfinger betrayed them. He's like yes. been working with Capricorn. Yeah. So he did it right. on purpose. Yeah. Dustfinger intentionally led Capricorn's men, like told Capricorn's men where Maggie and her father were staying. So that was mm-hmm. fully intentional. So they're pretty upset with Dustfinger. So Dustfinger goes off and kind of does his thing. He's always like, Poor Dustfinger. Like, he always really feels like a victim, but at the same time, like, he also causes a lot of the problems. And you're like, dude. Yeah. He's obsessed with, he wants to be read back into the book. Yeah. That's, Mm -hmm. and he thinks that Moe. That's like his main thing. Yeah. But Moe is like, I don't know how to read things. I don't even know how to read specific things out of books. Like, I definitely don't know how to read you back into the book. But he, Dustfinger does not seem to grasp this concept that Moe cannot read him back into the book. He's like, if you just tried hard enough. And so um, Capricorn. (laughs) Like, he's bothering him for like 10 years. Exactly. Um, so Capricorn makes Mo read out of a couple books, um, just to like get a bunch of gold out of these stories to kind of like, and also kind of like to test his skills or whatever. And so he reads out a bunch of gold from, what is it? Treasure Island. Treasure Island. Which we will be reading later in the season. Yes, we will be. Um, so he reads out some gold and then he accidentally reads out, um, Fareed, (gasps) who is this like 15 year old? 15, yeah. 16 year old guy from the a thousand it's a thousand and one nights right that collection uh-huh. of, of middle they're like middle eastern short stories yeah they're very very old stories i think it's the tale of like uh, so the, the story we know is Aladdin. And the 40 thieves yeah is what so, it is. yeah exactly um so that's farid comes from that set of stories and he gets locked up with them too so now we've got this other poor guy who's been read out of a book. And Dustfinger's like, I know the feels, man. And Farid is like, I'll follow you anywhere you go, Dustfinger. For some reason, he just attaches himself to Dustfinger. And yeah. Dustfinger's like, stop it. He really does. He's like, could you teach me how to juggle <laughs> yeah. fire? And Dustfinger's like, no, but okay. But <laughs> they have like a very grudging little relationship. They do. Yeah. So and, funny. Yeah. Farid, however, is not really that interested in being read back into his story. He's kind of like, it's not that bad here. And I'm like, wow, your life was really hard if you think that, because they're basically immediately imprisoned and then running from villains. And he's like, this isn't that bad. (laughs) Yeah, true. He's like, like, I've had it worse. They're like, like, really? (laughs) Yeah, apparently. Um, It kind of kills me because there's like one part where he says, this is later in the book, but it's kind of uh relevant to what we're talking about. But he's like, he has like a plan for something and Mo is like, oh, wow, that's really smart of you. Like, that's a yeah. great plan or whatever. Yeah. And Farid's like, oh, my God, like what? People appreciating me? <laughs> you it's can't like, believe it. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. If we like the Farid. He's a, he's a sweet, precious baby and we love him so much. He's so sweet. Um, well, they end up uh, escaping. Dustfinger helps them escape because Capricorn basically says, Dustfinger, you suck. I was never going to have you read back into your book. And so he's like, well, screw this. Then I'm going to let your prisoners go. And so he he lets them out and they basically escape to this other to this little Italian town. that's actually only a couple hours away or something like it's not that far away. And um, while they're there, Eleanor like gets them like fresh clothes and they stay in a hotel and she's going to go back home to check on her books. Um, But she's basically before she leaves, she's tracked down. this the author of the story Inkheart named Fenolio. He's this old guy named Fenolio, and he lives in this town. And so they decide that they're going to go see him because the problem is that copy Capricorn still has that one copy of of Inkheart, 
And so they need to see if there's any other copies maybe because then Mo is, I think Mo still wishes in his heart that he could read Teresa back out. Like he doesn't want to give up the book. Right. And so they're going to go check with the author and see if maybe he has another copy. So they go see the guy. Fenoglio is very funny. He He's like watching his grandchildren and this adorable. <laughs> he's such a good grandfather. Um <laughs> They're, and the kids are crazy, but he's basically like, I can't help you. I All of my copies of the book were stolen. So he doesn't have any copies left. But they basically kind of explain to him, well, see, the thing is, like, I accidentally read some of your characters out of the book. And he's like, what, <laughs> what does that mean? And so he, they, they tell him the whole thing. And he's like, I want to meet Dustfinger. I want to meet my characters in real life. And they're like, I don't think that's such a good idea. Like, Dustfinger like, was like, I don't want to meet that guy. Yeah. And he does not want to know how his story ends. Another spoiler, in the book Inkheart, Dustfinger is killed by Basta. And so Mo knows that. So Mo won't tell Dustfinger. And it's another part of why he doesn't really, even if he could read him back, doesn't really want to read him back into the story. Because he's going to get killed at the end of the story. So. Right. So that's sad. But um, basically, Eleanor um, has gotten home and found that almost, like all of her valuable old books have been burned. So that's yeah, horrifying. that sucks. It does suck. So she decides to come back and she's going to help them. And so she's going to fly in and Mo goes to pick her up at the airport. So while, but while he's gone, Basta and Flatnose, is that his name? Basta's kind of sidekick. Right. There's like a hierarchy of sidekicks. Yeah, here. there's like Cockerel and also Flatnose. Uh, yeah. But I don't other... remember. They're interchangeable to me. Yeah, they are. They're, they're just other henchmen. And so they come and uh, they kidnap Maggie and Finolio and leave him a message that says Basta. Because none of these, by the way, none of these guys can read and write. That's part of the thing, too, is, like, none of them can read or write. So, mm-hmm. uh, but apparently he can write his name Basta. And so that when, uh, which, by the way, fun fact, Basta in Italian means stop. I, I don't think that was an intentional choice. Really? Yeah. I don't think I that always was intentional. Was like, it's such a weird name. Like, it sounds it's like weird. Pasta. Yeah. Basta. But it is, like, a little bit intimidating. I don't yeah. know why. Basta, fa silencio. That means stop, Basta. make silence. Oh, literally, which it just means shut up. It means shut up, stop, shut up. Which I heard from my grandmother a lot. <laughs> oh god, that's how I know it. <laughs> um, like it's very familiar to me. Very familiar to me. But um, yeah. Anyway, so they're kidnapped. They go back. Uh, Eleanor and Mo are now going to have to look for them. They're just using Maggie and Vanolio as bait, honestly. Um, but Finolio lies and tells Basta that they can't kill him because he's the author of their story. So if they kill him, then these characters will cease to exist. So they're like, dang it, we can't kill the old guy. So now they're all back at Capricorn's Fortress. And he and Maggie are locked up. And Maggie finds this stash of books from Capricorn's old reader. So before they kidnap Mo to try and get him to be the re- reader, they had found someone else who kind of had Mo's gift but wasn't, like, very good at it. So he would, right. like, read try- he would read stuff out of the books, but only, like, everything would be a little bit wrong with whatever he read out of the book. Like, he read out, for instance, one- a woman from one of the books. Like, he had – Capricorn had him read out all of his old, like, maidservants and stuff and henchmen. Mm-hmm. And so he had him read out one of the women that he read out. Her name is Risa and she was read out of the book but she had she had no voice she was read out without a voice mm-hmm. so anyway so i'll just drop that little fact and we'll need that, that for later dear we'll <laughs> yeah we're gonna use this later um, <laughs> this is a special tool for later whatever, whatever that awful meme is <laughs> oh god that's Anyways. exactly what it is though <laughs> um 
Anyway, so Maggie finds the stash of books from Darius, the old reader guy, and one of them is the story of Peter Pan. And so she's reading it like out loud to herself and she starts to read about Tinkerbell and then who appears in the room? But Tinkerbell the fairy! Tinkerbell! Yeah. So she tries to hide the fact that she's accidentally read a fairy out of the book because she didn't know that she could read stuff out of stories like Mo can. But now mm-hmm. she knows, so she doesn't want them to find out. But of course, Basta comes in and he sees the fairy and he kind of puts two and two together because he's not a total idiot. He's just mostly an idiot. And so yeah. <laughs> he takes her to Capricorn and he's like, guess what? I have great news. Um that basically Maggie can do what Mo can do. So Capricorn's like, great, now we don't even need Mo. Um, yeah. And Maggie and Fenolio have been captured for a little while now. And Maggie's like, why isn't my dad coming to get me? So um, they kind oh, of try yeah. and like, trick her. They kind of try and tell her, like, your dad's not coming for you. He doesn't want you. Which Maggie believes a little bit more than I thought she would, considering, like, you have no evidence to support that. Um, yeah, but she's been through a lot. She's been through and a I lot. And I feel like yeah. this book is just a progression of Maggie, like, being a little bit more and more hardened to the world. Yes, <laughs> like, it is. eventually she's just kind of like, hmm, I don't care. You should murder him. Like, and she yeah. just doesn't give a. She anymore. literally like, does. Yeah, she's she like, literally The world does. is actually a bad place, I've realized. So Yeah, yeah she does. <laughs> it's she goes kind of a crazy lesson for a children's book, honestly. It's a pretty dark children's book. I mean, it I really, really liked it, but it is. Oh, I love it. Like, but like I said, punches. they don't. And aren't there some very interesting, like, kind of adult themes in it? Like that. And then also there's like infidelity. Yes. Like, <laughs> Yes. It is crazy. It is crazy. It is like a child is thrown into a adult fantasy world. It's like an adult yeah. epic fantasy. Like yes. that's but a child is in it. Yeah. So it's from a yes. child's perspective. Yeah, because I was thinking about like I was like, why is I wonder why? And then I was like, oh, it's because all of the main characters, except for Mo- Maggie and Fareed, who yeah. are adults. All of them are like over 30 at least, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's very interesting. I've never read another children's book where most of the main characters are, are adults. adults. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so good. And now I want to watch the movie again because I really, really enjoy that movie. I know, I kind of do too. At first I hated it because it's pretty different, but mm-hmm. and now that I've like gotten older, I've come to appreciate it. Oh, it's it one also of those... has sorry, what? I was gonna say it's one of those things where like if you read the book, or sorry, if you watch the movie before you read the book, you can enjoy it for what it is, and then and you don't even know yet how awful. Like I, en- <laughs> this is gonna sound awful. I enjoyed the movie Aragon because I hadn't read the book. Yeah. No, it is a complete bastardization of the book and a horrible representation of the book. But on its own, as a separate thing, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, I was yeah, like, is like, it I'm amazing? A good time. No, but it was enjoyable, and now it's just horrifying. But right, um, right. But yeah. this one, I think you can still enjoy it. Like, I'm a huge fan of the book, and I still mm-hmm. kind of enjoy watching it. Yeah. But I think that's also because Doesn't the cast have is my man so good. It? Like, I don't know. It has Brendan Fraser plays I Mo. love Brendan Fraser. I just love Brendan Fraser, too. Oh, yeah. yeah I cannot believe, so like, the cast they got. Yeah. Because, yeah, Brendan. Well, apparently, Cornelia Funke loves Brendan Fraser. Like, he read the audiobook, and he... He like dedicated the third book to him. Like That's it's hysterical. crazy. Uh, she's like a woman after all of our own hearts. <laughs> Seriously, she's like got the mummy on repeat at her house. Yes. Um, in so do Italy. we. But Javi and I both have a crush. Oh, yeah. on, on Brendan Fraser and the mummy. Uh, yeah, because you're living, breathing humans. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> but like, also Paul Bettany plays Dustfinger, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
uh, Helen Mirren is in say, it. Yeah, Helen um, in it. Which is crazy. And uh, Jim Broadbent is in it. Like, how it's do a- they get this cast? Andy Serkis plays Capricorn. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know big. how they did that. It's a good movie. I think I'm going to rewatch it after this. But um, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> so oh, I'm trying to think now. So basically, um, Fenolio tells Maggie, don't worry, I've got an idea because Capricorn has basically said, this is great. Maggie, I'm going to have you read what I wanted to read out of this book. I'm going to have you read my friend out of the book. And Fenolio's like, I kind of think I know who he wants to read out of the book. It uh, it might be this kind of shadow monster made out of all of the ashes of all of his victims that could possibly bring about the end of the world. So maybe we shouldn't read him out. <laughs> It's called The Shadow is the thing that Capricorn wants her to read out of the story. Um, and it literally Spooky. would. It's, it's immortal. So it's an immortal monster made up of all of, like, the tortured spirits of the people Capricorn has murdered, basically. That is such a good monster. Like, it I is. love that. It's an know? excellent monster. Excellent. This is why I want to read Inkheart so bad. I feel like it'd be so crazy. Especially yeah. after you read Inkspell, <laughs> which you haven't read, have you? No. It is is even better than Inkheart and it is like inside of Inkheart they go into the book so the whole thing yeah it is freaking amazing and so you get like way more Inkheart backstory and like world building and so I'm like I want to read the book so bad (laughs) oh my gosh that's amazing I that sounds good there's you get a little bit of the backstory now and you go Fenolio's kind of dark like the author like mm-hmm. he gives these, he gave these villains some pretty dark backstories um, to justify. I mean, because a lot of really bad villains do have really dark backstories. But like mm-hmm. Cornelia didn't like, she didn't put like a blanket over any of it. She was like, yeah, this happens, no. kids, and it makes people into monsters. Well, that's not true because you also people also have to take a responsibility for themselves. But um, Fenolio's right. kind of like, what did I do? Uh oh, perhaps I should have done things differently. Which leads us to um, Mo and Fenolio had kind of been colluding with this idea where basically we find out that Mo thought it might be possible for Fenolio as the author of Inkheart to rewrite the story, um, to rewrite the end of the story. And then if he were to read it and if Mo were to read it aloud, it would actually, you know, change things or to read out new things. Yeah. So Fenolio's like, we're going to do it. I'm going to get some paper. And he does kind of manage to trick Basta into getting him some paper. And he writes out like a new kind of end of the story from where um, where Capricorn is going to have Maggie read out of. Um, yeah. So so that's pretty cool. And then meanwhile, it's just not as interesting to me. They're trying to like rescue Maggie or whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just get back to Maggie. Um, yeah, there's like three different groups happening because like Dustfinger yeah. and Fareed are trying to break in. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that is actually kind of book. relevant. Yeah, mm-hmm. because Dustfinger is friends with one of the maids, the, one who, Risa, the one who Risa, who no does voice. a no voice. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to get her to help him get the book back. Yeah. But it backfires and then they get in trouble. Yes. And then Fareed meets, runs into Mo and Eleanor and then they become yeah. a team. Yeah. So. Oh, it all it all weaves together. But there's definitely yeah. um, there's everyone's kind of doing something different. Mm-hmm. Like Dustfinger and Farid are doing something different first. Like they capture like Mo and Eleanor trying to get back in, and then 
and then Dustfinger goes in to try and steal the book, but then he gets caught, and they find, and he gets thrown in jail with Risa, who's already been thrown in the dungeon, because Risa got caught helping him, and then Fareed gets convinced by Mo and Eleanor that he should release them, and that they should all go on this, like, rescue mission together, and basically they go set, like, distraction fires to get in. Yes. Because Fareed's like, you know what I know how to do now? Play with fire. So let's use that yeah. to our advantage. And then in the dungeon, um, we get some scenes between Dustfinger and Risa that are really good. And um, basically around this point, we've been suspecting and now we're very sure that Risa is, in fact, Maggie's mother. It is crazy. And the craziest part is that Dustfinger knew. Dustfinger knew the whole time. He is trying to get with her. It is so slutty of him. He is super in love with Risa. It's Teresa. Teresa, Risa, do you guys get it? I should have gotten you guys. it. I was like, oh my God, Teresa. <laughs> like, I was shocked. I mean, it's quite the reveal, you know. It was quite the reveal. And it was excellent. And, um, but yeah, so she's like, she's like writing down questions to ask because Dustfinger can read and obviously Risa can. And so she's like writing mm-hmm. down like questions about Mo and about her daughter to ask Dustfinger. Dustfinger's like kind of answering them, but he kind of like doesn't really want to talk about them because he's like, I'm in love with you, though, Risa, but I'm in love with you. It's like, I'm actively betraying your husband. Like, can we not talk about him, please? Can we please not talk about him? <laughs> and it's hard because he, like, Dustfinger does like Mo. Like, if it weren't for Risa yeah. and this whole weirdness with him being read out of the book and wants Mo to read him back in, like, they'd be butts. Like, they are kind of friends. but They do get along, sort of. Like, they understand yeah. each other, you know? Yeah, they do. Um, so, anyway, so all that's going on, and... Well- um, also, what? all of this gets way worse when you read the second book and find out Dustfinger is married. He Dustfinger. is married. Dustfinger. He has he has two children. Dustfinger. <laughs> Dustfinger, ah. what are you doing going after Risa? Is that not insane? That is so upsetting because like <laughs> if it weren't for the whole him being in love with Risa thing, then him wanting to get back to Inkheart so uh, badly would be even more sweet. But it is bad like he is cornelia this is a children's book cornelia Cornelia did that and then they're like oh my god once you meet roxanne that's dustfinger's wife like Uh it gets so crazy in book two you will not oh my gosh i don't think i can i'm stressed out i'm stressed out hearing it i'm very disappointed (laughs) dustfinger in you he's like kind of bad like i love him so much but he is so complex he does very bad things and very good things and he cannot make up his mind Mm -mm, mm -mm. yeah i mean he's i think he's just supposed to be a very real person but i would still i would still like to take my person a little less flawed may i have him a little (laughs) he's a little underdone i would like him a little more well done perhaps he he has a lot of he has a big arc throughout the series well i'm glad glad to hear it because we yeah. start out in a pretty low place, and apparently in book two we get even lower. So uh, yeah, it gets crazy. I'll tell you that. Anyways, so um, basically Capricorn's mother, who gets treated basically like one of the servants, and she's kind of she's kind of the worst and kind of like a, a witch and weird and stuff. And so anyway, she like makes men yeah. put on this like white dress, and they're gonna basically have this big like celebratory like reading thing where she's gonna stand up on this podium in these like ancient ruins or something and like read from the book she's gonna read out the shadow for capricorn so capricorn can take over the world and so that's happening fenolio has been brought out as a prisoner to watch all of this and then in the dungeon they're gonna have the shadow execute um dustfinger and risa 
And is Mo captured? Where's Mo and Farid at this point? Uh, well, Dustfinger escapes because Maggie goes to like That's talk right. to Dustfinger and Risa because yes. she suspects Risa's her mom. Yes. And then Dustfinger betrays him again because yep. he is like, listen, me and Risa need to go, but Maggie, you can't go because can't they'll go. see you immediately. Yeah. But you'll be fine. Don't worry. And they're not going to kill you. And yeah. Risa's like, I'm not leaving Maggie Without my now. Daughter, yeah. And so Dustfinger's like, okay, bye. And he yeah, just so leaves. Dustfinger leaves. And so, yeah, so Risa's going to be executed. Dustfinger and so Moe and Farid are doing the fire they're doing the fire they're doing like distractions and kind of spreading out capricorn's men and all that but Uh so basically um oh and then eleanor gets captured oh yes and eleanor's captured and so So it's like eleanor and risa and risa yeah yeah. and they're gonna be eaten by the shadow along with you know finolio probably and everyone else in the world and (laughs) so you know no big deal uh so she's got these pages that finolio has rewritten the end of inkheart on like the stuff about the shadow and so she's hidden them in her sleeve and so she has this, like, signal, I forget what it is, with um, with Finolio. And so he kind of distracts them for a second, and she whips out the papers and puts it in the book, and so no one can see it. And then, basically, she starts to read out of the book. And we are obviously approaching the climax. And I remember in the movie being, like, this being really intense. Um, I remember specific ways that the actress who plays Maggie says the lines. Like, while uh-huh. I was reading it, I was like, oh, I remember how she says it in the movie. It's so good. It's so <laughs> good. But the way that Cornelia describes Mo and Maggie reading is very mm-hmm. intense. Like, it's very mm-hmm. potent. It makes you think, wow, you could read someone out of a book. Like, if anyone could, you could. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she's reading about the shadow and she's reading. So as she's reading about the shadow, the shadow is like coming into being in front of them, like this big shadowy thing. Um, and it's, you know, like the wind picks up and everything's crazy. And she's reading about how the shadow is like made from all of the ashes and the trapped, tortured souls or whatever of Capricorn's victims. But then it basically says the weight of all of those souls turned against Capricorn and crushed him and killed Capricorn, basically. And that actually happens. So they're like, stop her, but it's too late. And so the shadow kills Capricorn. And then like all the souls are, you know, I guess sent to rest now. And so the shadow kind of just, just kind of disappears. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And it's and the things are basically all turned to right. Like all of the creatures that were killed and had become the shadow are like returned, but they're all like just out and about. So there's like a bunch of fairies and like goblins and stuff like that, just kind of like roaming around this little town now. Um, Mo is there um, because she almost can't finish reading. It. Oh, that's right. Maggie is about to read the line in the book that Finolio has written about how the shadow kills Capricorn, but she can't quite do it, which is, you know, I'm glad that Cornelia was like, how about we don't have 12 year olds kill people? So instead, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Mo jumps in. Mo is there now. They, he and Farid have managed to get past Capricorn's men and they're there. And he reads the last couple lines about how the shadow kills Capricorn. And so... Hooray, that's done. Um, Risa still can't speak, but Risa and Mo and Maggie are all reunited, the happy family. They go to live with Eleanor. Some of the fairies also go with to live at her place, which is kind of funny. Um, And that's, Dustfinger goes off to do his own kind of bitter thing. And that's, that's pretty much Inkheart. (laughs) Yeah, and Fareed goes with him. And that's it. Yep. Yay. Oh, and Maggie's going to start writing. Oh, yes. Maggie decides that she's going to be a writer, which I loved for her. I love that that arc for her. Yeah. Me too. Love this for you, girl. Love Uh, I love her. She's so cute. (laughs) She (laughs) is. (laughs) I wanted to be her best friend when I was, like, also 12 reading it. I I would have been... I think this would have changed the course of the way that I think and feel about life if I had read this as a young child. <laughs> like, it's that intense. 
I would have it obsessed is. with it. Like, it would have formed me in, oh. like, very, like, permanent ways if I'd read it as a child. It was my entire personality. Like, I reread yeah. Ink Spell four times. Yes. And it's, like, 680 pages or something. And I reread this one a couple of times also. Yeah. And I did not reread the third one because the third one and I have beef, but we'll get to that later, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I have questions uh, for Cornelia, but... See, I think you should you write know, her a whatever. letter. I think you'd be like, I need, I I really need answers, should. actually. I don't know if I'd be able to be objective, though. I think I need to reread it now that I'm older and just yeah. see if I still feel the same way. I yeah. think I will, but I think that's anyway. A, I think that's a good idea. Well, anyways, what was your favorite and least favorite parts? No, I love all of it. Uh, I think my favorite parts... I kind of... This is, like, kind of lame, I guess, because it's not anything exciting, but I kind of love the part where all of the gang is, like, escaping um, Capricorn's village, and then they go to hang out in like that cute little Italian uh-huh. like village. I think it's so cute because I love like the gang being together. Cause they, the thing I love about it is that none of the main characters really make sense together, except for like Mo and Maggie who are related, but like, yeah, they're all very like weird. Like <laughs> the fact that Farid is here, like he's yeah. just some random guy they met a day ago who was from a book. Dustfinger yeah. definitely doesn't fit in and he doesn't want to. And like, yeah. he hates Eleanor and like, everything is so weird and like they're all I don't know it's so funny and then they meet Fenolia I love like that whole sequence of them like escaping and like getting Basta and Flatnose or whatever and then going into the village because I think it's funny to see them all thicker and stuff yeah it is good my least favorite part I don't know (laughs) I don't know I get a little bit mad at Dustfinger for his like reset obsession but yeah but that's also because I I know what happens next. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you son of a bitch. Like, that's insane. It's frustrating to watch him because, like, every time you get Dustfinger, because I guess we should mention, like, the book goes, like, different perspectives. It's all, like, mm-hmm. third person limited, but depending yeah. on the yeah. chapter, like, it'll be a different character. Mm-hmm. So, like, every time you get, like, a Dustfinger chapter, you find out another thing that he's done that makes you mad. Like, you're yes. like, oh, you're really betraying them again. Yeah. But then you also are like, oh, I can't seem mad at you. Like, I love you. But um, <laughs> that's what you makes- say. <laughs> yeah, that's me. But he makes me so mad when he, because he knows Risa is Mo's wife and he refuses <sighs> to tell either of them. He has been hanging out with Mo this whole time and didn't tell him that his this wife is This is so alive. upsetting. Like, Mo has been there for him. Mo has tried to help, okay? I know. Like, Mo is the closest thing he has to a friend. Look, and he's has, like, Mo has never made a mistake. No. Like, never. No. And Dustin literally has a line where he says something like, oh, yeah, well, he took my whole world from me. I can take his wife. And I'm like, the frustrating thing is, I think he could have if she wasn't yeah. hung up on Mo. Like, yeah. they kind of got along really well and they were friends. Yeah, they definitely, so they like, were definitely friends. He has game. Like, I do believe <laughs> well, Dustfinger is hot. Like, the, well, in my, yeah. like, okay, I'm glad you agree. Like, I fully they agree. never specifically Dustfinger, say it. Yeah, but you know he is, though. Like, he has, like, scars on his face. Mm-hmm. Like, he's totally hot. You know he's hot, yeah. No, I, I never questioned for a second that Dustfinger is extremely attractive. I'm like, this is just objective fact. We can all just accept it. God, I love you so much. You're on the same page. Like, I didn't even say it. Of course, of course. Um, it's just the way it is, man. Um, oh, yeah, totally. But I still get mad at him when he 
Yeah. He does that. I think favorite part, I really like the climax where they're reading the shadow out, like Maggie and Mo together. I think that it's just really powerful and really cool. Um, least favorite part, I don't know. I mean, I was really crushed for Eleanor when all of her books were burned. It was just so needless. Oh, there was That's literally no one. purpose to it. It was just I think just I want to change her. mine. That yeah. one's really sad. Yeah. It is really sad. I mean, I, I definitely don't approve of Dustfingers being in love <laughs> with Risa, Moe's wife. And not Ugh. telling. I mean, even like secretly being in love with someone is very different than harboring the fact from your friend that his long forgotten, not forgotten, but long lost wife is in fact yeah. here. And he loves her so much, but he won't even tell her that his, that her daughter and husband are like, he knows them and they're nearby. Yeah. yeah. That is messed up. It is messed up. It's very messed up. Uh, so, and he's married. I cannot stress enough. He is married with two see, kids. That would have been my least favorite part if it happened in this book. <laughs> I'm Dustin, well, I'm so disappointed. His marriage is turbulent. Like. I can't I that's why I was like why is this even in a kid's book like this is so funny I'm having to deal with like the marriage troubles of like a 40 year old man and I'm like 11 years old like oh my god this is crazy like what 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 business of it was my like what business was it of mine that's insane this was I feel like a very yeah anyway I think this is very obviously like a European book I feel like European family and relationships are very different than American (laughs) I know it doesn't seem that way, but, like, I'm just saying, like, my Italian family and their marriages, not just the old ones, the young ones, are very different. The level of of chaos in those relationships that I would, I consider chaos, is pretty normal for them, or at least, like, not unheard of. So, like, the idea that he would be in love with another woman and have this turbulent marriage, I feel like, at least in Italy... Oh, to God. my experience, is not a shock. So maybe Benolio <laughs> was like, "Yeah, what? Who cares? You know, what about it?" <laughs> sure. He's like, "And this is just life." And so yeah. I don't know if maybe yeah. that's part of it. I don't know. I'm probably oh. offending the Europeans, but listen, in my experience, this has been true. I also had that thought. I was like, I think the things that are scandalous to me about this book are actually just normal in European like culture. Yeah. Not that exactly. all Europeans have the same culture, but like no. generally over there. Yeah. Because I was like, a lot of it has to do with like sex or like, I don't know, adult things that I would think. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Over here, we're pretty okay with violence generally. <laughs> like, yeah. we're like, yeah, kids can handle violence, but anytime sex is involved, we're like, oh, no, 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 no. But I feel like over there, they don't care as much. No. So, like, the fact that they were parts of this book where they're like, oh, yeah, the Capricorn's enslaved handmaidens, just like, if they can get it on with some of the men, like, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yep. Like, they just talk about that in the book. And I'm like, this is a kid's book. This like, is a children's what are we book. doing? How are yeah. we talking about this? Or like, yeah. oh yeah, Dustfinger can cheat on his wife. It's fine. And I'm like, what? This no, is crazy. I think, yeah, I think. Not saying that Europeans cheat on their wives all the time. I'm just no. saying that like they're willing to talk about it maybe more than yes, you I would think in a kid's book. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I agree. I have a lot of thoughts about that, but I'm just not an impartial observer <laughs> to it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do, I do agree. At the very least, I think they're a lot more open about that concept. I mean, yeah. it's not like infidelity is any more common like there than it is here, but they're definitely more open about it there than we are here because people right. hide it here. Over there, sometimes they're like, yeah, and what about it? And you're like, well, it's not good. And they're like, it's just life. And you're like, but it's not good. <laughs> like, it's 
are they wrong though i guess it just does happen i don't know like i don't know it's yeah. interesting the different cultural because yes. once you recognize that it's a translated book i feel like a lot mm -hmm. of it makes more sense i'm like yes. oh she's german germans yeah. are play fast and loose with sex like they just get it like i'm sorry this but is that's an assumption true. that we're making oh no <laughs> I don't know the that Germans many gonna, Germans. They're going to come for me. Well, I'm just saying, like, based on my four years of, <laughs> of German learning class, German. That's so we funny. We would watch commercials sometimes where I'd be uh -huh. like, this is a commercial for yogurt? And it would be like, oh, naked woman. Like, they're just... Germany! You know what I mean? Like, it's just different. Germany, I'm scandalized. I just... <laughs> As an American, I'm scandalized. <laughs> As an American, I am... So maybe you need to cover that up. Yeah, if the thing is, in America, we, we do all the same things, but we just cover it up. That's our thing. We put, like, yeah, that, like a thin, sheer nighty on our naked people in commercials. So uh, <laughs> it looks as if they're not as naked as they are, but we all can see it's pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. You know, I've heard this before about, like, because I'm obviously American, so I can't say as, like, an objective <laughs> I'm person. but. American. I have heard, I'm obviously American, uh, I kind of am, but I have heard that, like, I don't know, it seems to me that sometimes people from different countries get, or, like, it's a, a distinctly American thing to kind of, like, do the, yep, I'm fine kind of thing, and, like, everyone's kind of pretending to be happy all the yeah, time. Yeah, I think maybe that's the same thing. We just, like, like to cover everything up a little bit yeah. and be like, nope, everything's great. Yeah. I think Brits I think do, too, because kind of that, that stiff upper lip thing, I think it's more of a Brit thing, and I think Americans do it, too. But, yeah, I mean, definitely for sure in Italy, and I won't take this one back. In Italy, if someone's having an issue, I don't think there's that much effort to hide it. I feel like they're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm angry today. I am. That's the way it is. So what? <laughs> they're not going to hide it. Yeah, I'm having a bad, I'm upset today. Or yeah, I'm happy. Like there's no, I don't really think that in Italian culture yeah. specifically, they're thought of as a very passionate people. I have beef with just describing all things emotional as passionate. I just have a big beef with that word. But I will say that it is true. <laughs> and that's a big part of it. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's just cultural differences. It's just cultural. That's yeah. interesting. But uh, what was your favorite, um, least favorite character? Okay, this is easy. Uh, favorite character, Dustfinger. Least favorite character, Dustfinger. <laughs> Dustfinger. No. <laughs> uh, probably Capricorn. Mm -hmm. I think just because I want, and just grant me this one little rant, real quick. It's not really a rant. I just wanted to express my opinion. Go but for it. I feel like he. This is my one thing. I think Capricorn could have been a scarier villain. Like mm -hmm. he is scary for sure because he's kind of like doesn't care at all. And he's very like, you know, obviously yeah. a psychopath. But yeah. um, in the second book, we get introduced to a different villain who is like worse than Capricorn. He's like the king of the ink world. Worse anyway, than Capricorn. He's worse. His name is, he's called the Adderhead, and he is scary as hell. He is, like, so scary. He makes Capricorn look like nothing, which, like, come, so for me, when I first read it, I read Ink Spell first, so I was like, oh, yeah. oh this guy's scary. And then I read Ink Heart, and I was like, who is this, this clown? Joker? Like, literally, I was like, he's doing nothing. Like, this is so stupid. Oh, my God. So for me, I'm almost like, I feel like he could have been worse, or, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like also he doesn't get a lot of character development not that i want him to not be evil but like i just kind yeah. of think he's a little two-dimensional yeah a little bit that's okay i mean we get other bad guys like basta yeah. has a little bit more going too, yeah but basta yeah he does he's more of like the face that you see for capricorn's evil yes, i think most is. of the time yeah 
So I guess probably Capricorn, not because I think, I think I like that he's a very, very evil villain. I love uh-huh. it when there's an evil villain, you know, yeah. that's the best. Yeah. I just kind of think he could have been a little bit more fleshed out maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think my least favorite character is Basta, runner-up Capricorn, just because we see more of Basta being a dick. And we hear mm-hmm. more about Basta's story. Like, we just get to know him more as a person. So it's more personal to me when he acts yeah. awful. And then uh, favorite character is Mo. I think. I just Aww. think he's a great father. He's a great he father. Is. And I love that he was, like, the first one with this, like, reading talent. I just think he's very complex. Um He's yeah. a great guy. Like, he's a, he's a good character. Yeah. I yes. totally agree. I love Mo. Yeah. And then if we read... Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and put the second one on the next reading list. Is that okay? That's fine with me. It's my favorite book of all time. Like, And I yeah, and I mean, Ink Spell is the one that got you into this. Apparently. It is. Well, you didn't start with Ink Heart, so... No, I didn't. And yeah. I just wanted to say, Mo has quite the journey in ink spell like there is a lot going on with your boy so yay okay so we'll do that some crazy stuff happening cool what did we learn from this book be careful reading out loud (laughs) you never know i used to read out loud and just like see if i had it like i'd be like can Mm -hmm. i do it like i'm still i mean i'm a grown-up but when i read books about stuff like this i'm like i'm gonna try it out loud now like i still will i'm like you never know okay it could be latent Yeah, I could, like, you know, your, like, YA journey that happens when you're supposed to be, like, 12 or 16. It's always one of those. You're like, maybe it just will hit me when I'm 25. You never know. I'm a late bloomer, so what? (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) You're going to finally find your mermaid till like grows in when you're 25. It's 100%. It's going to, or maybe when I turn 30 or 40. I mean, it's (laughs) never too late. Okay. I would so read a book about a 40 year old discovering they have magic powers, like, or a mermaid tale. I would that read that. That would be that. amazing. Where is, I demand it. Authors out there, adult authors, I'm demanding it. I would do it, but I've never written adult <laughs> fiction very well. So please, <laughs> we'll somebody see. do it. Yeah. Don't, see, be careful reading out loud. Um, it's never too late to develop superpowers. So true. Um, so true. So true. Don't trust the hot thief. Like, you can think he's hot. <laughs> But do not trust him, okay? He is a trickster. He will betray you. He has an established pattern of behavior. And yes, he's very sexy. We all like the scars, okay? Uh, But you cannot rely on him. Yes, okay. I know. He sounds like the perfect man. (laughs) He can (laughs) juggle fire. It's what every little girl dreams of. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, do not trust that bitch. He, he's gonna he's gonna betray you. He's gonna marry you, and then he's gonna fall in love with someone else's wife. Oh, uh, God! You know, Poor I said like, you you think he's attractive. Roxanne thought so too. So I'm just gonna put that <gasps> out there. Can't believe we're having ink spell discourse on the pod. I'm so happy. Um. <laughs> oh God! I'm so oh, glad God. you're happy. Yeah, I'm really like on cloud nine right now. Um, <laughs> rereading this book was so fun for me because I haven't read it in like a long uh-huh. time but I read it a lot when I was younger you know mm-hmm. and it I was like oh I really hope it holds up like this was my everything yeah. and it totally did like I'm so happy anyway Yay. but um what else did we learn we learned I feel like there are a lot of booky lessons like lots of booky lessons yeah and every no. chapter starts out with a quote from a different book which is pretty cool that's right yeah yes I love that yeah it's good I don't know. We learned that books can change the world. But that's how we, we all knew that. That's why we're here. Yeah, come on. We all knew that. It's old news. 
we learned that scholastic that there is in fact a market for adult scholastic book fairs <laughs> i would spend a fortune at an adult scholastic book fair yeah you saw a how fortune. much money i spent at that bookstore and that's just like if it had been a scholastic book fair can you even <laughs> imagine how much money i would have blown yeah, the funny thing is, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess a scholastic, adult scholastic book fair is just like going to Barnes and Noble, but I feel like there's, there's something like an else about it. There's like an era festivity about it, Yeah, though. it's like an event, you know? Yeah. It was like, oh, the scholastic book fair is here, you know? Yeah, I want to be able to walk around with a glass of wine in one hand, the roaming scholastic book fair. <laughs> That's what I, I want. <laughs> yes! I feel like it's the closest we will get to, like, oh, the... The carnivals in town were like 1890, you know. Yes, or exactly, exactly. It's the closest. it was like that. It does yeah. feel like that. I think we need to bring it back. I want an outdoor book market where we can walk around with wine, mm-hmm. or in the fall, mugs of spiked cider. I think that sounds okay. fantastic. I think it definitely needs to be in the fall. Yeah, I think it does for too. sure. That's the it's the reader season is the fall. It is cozy season. Cozy season. I dare you to find a bookworm who likes summer better than fall. I'm actually curious. No. Anyone out there? I mean, I love summer, but I fall is where summer. it's at. Like, yes, it is. What happened? <laughs> what happened? What happened is it got to 108 degrees for a whole week, and I'm over it forever now. What happened is that I have a farm now, and it is yeah. You have to be outside. No pool, no pool, no lake nearby. Nowhere to go cool off. You guys should really make a pool. That'd be so. cool. I know. I want to. I really want to put a pool on the back acre because summer would be a whole sixty percent more enjoyable if I could go jump in the pool. Absolutely, like that would make the whole summer. Yes, it would. So that's it's it's in the works. It's in the planning process. But we also okay, have to can't get wait. our goats and our donkey and our bees first, and our fish tank. I oh, want right. to do like a big and tank then, of fish. Yes, and yeah. then we can do Mermaid Lagoon. And then Mermaid Lagoon. I, but yeah, it is. Yeah. It will be Mermaid Lagoon. Oh my god, I can make a little sign for it that says Mermaid Lagoon, or yeah. I can commission one from someone who can actually do artwork. Uh, so of good. course, you can. It'll have a little sign. You can have like. Um, I don't know. What would you have in your mermaid lagoon? Like around it. I feel like Rocks, you need maybe? some kind of. I don't know. Yeah. Like some pebbles. Some yeah. cool shells. Yes. You could have. Um, People do this thing where they make it look kind of like marshy on the edges of their like pools. Yeah. Which I really love. But I'm afraid snakes might go into it. But maybe if it's. Oh, a, that's right. And if it's a chlorine pool, then I can't do that because it'll kill the plants. And a saltwater pool I could do. But what if snakes. What if we get snakes who want to swim in the saltwater? I think about this a lot. Like, this is a very active problem in my life, (laughs) even though I'm nowhere near being able to afford it. (laughs) Even if you did a chlorine pool, you could put, like, little lily pads in there and stuff, like fake ones, and they could float around. And it could look like Mermaid Lagoon from Peter Pan. Yes. And you could have, like, um, oh, my God. Now I'm just losing my mind. I'm going to, like, write out all the things I want for your Mermaid Lagoon and send them to you just to okay, give you perfect. ideas. That sounds okay. fantastic. I'm I'm so excited for Mermaid Lagoon. I I am gonna be mad at summer until I get Mermaid Lagoon. Just in the to the universe, mm-hmm. just so everybody knows. But um As you're right. Yeah. Anyways, do we have uh, favorite quotes from this book? This book has a lot of good quotes. Because I feel like Cornelia is really good at writing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> like, just her descriptions of things are very elevated. Like, it's like for kids, but it never to me feels like, oh, this is 
patronizing in any way. <laughs> like, yeah. all of it is very much like, oh yeah, kids can read this and understand it and handle it. Like, it's not, Yeah, exactly. I, I love that about her. You might have picked this one. I don't know. Cause I feel like it's kind of a popular one, but I like it. Um, so I'm going to read it. This one, this quote says, only in books could you find pity, comfort, happiness, and love. Books loved anyone who opened them. They gave you security and friendship and didn't ask anything in return. They never went away. Never. Not even when you treated them badly. Love, truth, beauty, wisdom, and consolation against death. That's very so good. good. It's so good. I have three. <laughs> okay, go for it. Go for it. Okay, for very different reasons. So um, the first one I just really, really like, because I like a lot of different quotes that have to do with fear. I've probably talked about it before. I just think it's a really good one. This is one of Mo's quotes. He says, because fear kills everything, your mind, your heart, your imagination. I think it's just true. I think like a lot of times we look at history and we go, how is it possible that this a horrible thing happened and no one stopped it? And I'm like, because people were afraid. And when you get afraid, like it does kill everything. It kills your yeah. problem solving ability. It kills your spirit. Like it kills everything. So I just thought that was really potent. This one is like extremely personal to just me. Like I just really related to it. And it's not <laughs> even how it doesn't really have to do with books specifically. It just says the sea always filled her with longing, though for what she was never sure. I yeah. feel that way. I've always felt that way when I look at the ocean. I'm like, it's this intense longing, and I don't know what it is. So in your I Moana just, era, yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, I remember that line because I yeah. was like, oh, that's a good one. It is a good one. And then this other one, I just remember thinking, this is what I'm going to tell children. This is like really early in the book. Mo says this to to Maggie. Um, he has basically, since she was little, told her that books have to be heavy because the whole world's inside of them. Yes. And I thought, that's so good. I'm going to tell my children that. It's so good. That's but a good yeah. one. So Mo is such a good dad. Like, that's he is I'm really saying. killing it. He really is a good dad. I don't think Mo has ever made it. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of perfect. <laughs> He's kind of perfect. He kind of doesn't make mistakes. I mean, he did accidentally read his wife into a book, but that was like a pure accident. Like he it didn't even know accident. he could do that. Yeah. Yeah. He did not mean to do it. And then he feels like so bad, like when he accidentally reads Farid into our into world the world. Stuff. Yeah. Like, he feels awful. He, and of course he feels like he is so nice to Dustfinger, honestly, for someone who keeps betraying him and bothering him for he 10 is, years. Yeah. Like everyone gives him way too much of a break because people keep going uh well i guess we'll save him or like yeah. oh yeah i don't want dustfinger to die and i'm like why not he betrayed <laughs> you four times already yeah like, he's caused a lot of the conflict in this plot so but most like i feel so bad for him and yeah. i'm like no like Mo's i know so but nice. <laughs> come on dude. he's so trying to get sweet. with your wife yeah but he doesn't Mo know is that so nice yeah i know well um, no. hmm. Is there anything oh else? my god, when what? he found the picture in Dustinger's bag, I like lost my mind. When oh, Farid I know. was like, oh, I think he's in love with him. I would love with her. I was yeah. like, ah. I know. Haley, I know. Haley and I just watched the Elvis film Love Me Tender, which was mm -hmm. his first film. Have you ever seen it? No. It was crazy and it had a similar plot where you're like oh my god. It's like a crazy love triangle. Oh it my was gosh. So bonkers. That sounds insane. stressful. It was so stressful. We were both like freaking out the whole time. Oh my God. No, thank anyway, you. it was really good. He was good in it. <laughs> he was good in it. Is that he whiskey was. hitting you? The way you said it is the whiskey hitting you at all? He was good in it. Uh, a little bit, but no, honestly, I mean it. He was very good. <laughs> oh, no, I believe that you mean it. Whiskey or no whiskey. <laughs> um, <laughs> never question that. Pinkies up. We got a pinkies up it. Pinkies up. Five. <laughs> Five.
Five. One, two, three, four, five. For you two? Yes. Three, four, five. Five. Awesome. Look at us go. We my really pinky's so weak. I couldn't get to the fifth one. <laughs> I'm trying to like wiggle my two. pinky five oh, times. This three, is tough. Four. This is the That Pretentious Book Club workout regimen. Just pinkies up. Yeah, constantly. just pinkies up. It's just you know, three times a day. Just stop what you're doing and pinkies up. <laughs> just one pinky. Uh, we on, guarantee guys. that in uh, in six months of, of three times a day, your pinky will be a little stronger than it was when you started. <laughs> is that measurable? No. No. Don't ask us again. <laughs> <laughs> that is the official TBBC workout regimen, and we are not changing it. We will not negotiate. You cannot get your money back. There are no guaranteed results. We are not responsible for any injuries. To we are not. It's true. We're not do, you guys. So do not sue us. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God, you guys. Not oh, again. We not again. again. We, we haven't Never been sued. Again. Or have we? <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you, but. <laughs> She's like, I didn't think it was important. Is that? Uh, Thomas Hardy came back from the dead to sue us. He's like, guys, you you totally slandered me. It was not supposed to be about cousin lovers, okay? You made that way bigger of a deal than it was, okay? We're like, uh, Thomas, you were the one who started it, okay? You started the cousin lovers thing, Thomas. Oh, my God. There is an Elvis film called Kissin' Cousins, and I screamed when I saw the title of it because I got so upset. I was Have like, you watched God, it? No, I haven't you watched have it to? yet. But turns out it's not about cousins kissing each other. It's about Elvis playing two cousins who are both trying to kiss different people. That is, so, that took me really on a journey right there. Just that little synopsis. Well, isn't that such a relief, though? Like, it oh, is God. actually a massive relief, yeah. Can you imagine, hey, baby, I know we're cousins, but uh, let's uh, get it on, you know? Let's get it that- on. Thomas Hardy would approve, you know what I mean? He would. Thomas Hardy would. He's like, I just don't see a problem. <laughs> Thomas is like, what's a big deal? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's making a really big deal honestly, about this. <laughs> honestly, like, I'm seriously, I, that's not even my biggest beef. Like, we are fine with that, Thomas. It's why Tom- did you have to make the children kill each, each other? other? It was awful. <laughs> Thomas, you, I really thought that the deal breaker was going to be the cousin lovers. And then, and then you pulled out like the last third of that book. And it was suddenly like the cousin lovers are far from the biggest problem in this book. God, only Thomas could do a bait and switch on us like that. Mm-hmm. You know, only Thomas yeah. could get me to actually root for the cousin lovers. Yeah, seriously. Insane. So, yeah. If you guys are, are wondering what uh, this, what we're just talking about, you should go listen to our episode on Jude the Obscure by Thomas Hardy. <laughs> it was a whirlwind of an experience. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, for all if of you that. may think right now that you're against cousin lovers, but you go li- you go listen to that episode or read that book, and I guarantee you, you're going to be less against it than you thought you were when you see what the end option of the book is. You're going to see how the way the book ends, and you're going to go, maybe cousin lovers aren't that bad after all. <laughs> oh, God. Or maybe it was all just karma for the cousin loving, you know? This was the result, natural result of cousin love. Maybe this is what happens. <laughs> I don't know. This is a warning. Thomas was trying to warn society against cousin love. That's why he's going to come back and sue us. He's going to be like, you're taking the wrong thing out of what I said. I'm trying to teach people not to marry their cousins. You're over here saying I'm a proponent. (laughs) It was very clear. 
<laughs> I'm never going to really know what he was trying to say about this book. We've talked about it so many times. No. We're never going to really understand. And will um, I ever get it out of my head? No. No. Thomas, you ruined my life. I hope you, I hope you know that. <laughs> He's like, I know. Oh, I'm, I know. But that I ruined it as much as uh, my character, as Jude's life was ruined. Oh, oh. God. Yeah. Has, nobody's life has ever been worse than Jude's. <laughs> honestly it's it's kind of like job from the bible where it's kind of like yeah you're suffering but have you ever suffered like job has and then it's like it is jude is job you're like no one's life has ever been as shitty as jude's you can't really complain about anything when you think about jude thank god i'm not jude you know thank god yeah (laughs) anyways uh so next week we're gonna read one of my all-time favorites the importance of being earnest by oscar wilde (laughs) so good what a oh, week! Back to back favorite books. Like, yes, for, I love this for us. We've got a lot of favorites in this season, which is going well for us. Um, so, the importance of being earnest is actually a play. It's a straight play, which is ironic when you consider it's written by Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Do you get my joke? Get I mean, it, guys? I made gay? a gay joke because Oscar <laughs> Wilde is famously gay. We made a gay joke on the podcast, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> It's Oscar funny. would approve. Oscar on, would this guys. Oscar would fully approve. If anyone is offended right now, I do need you to know that that was in honor of Oscar. He would have so we, appreciated that joke. We do nothing but honor and support Oscar Wilde. On oh, we how could we not? Oscar Wilde is he is he is close to a deity. I mean, in we the are number one world, stand. We are Oscar Wilde. I I know he's not interested in me, but I've always been in love with him. I've been like, I don't even care that you don't have feelings for me and never would, Oscar. I'm still, I am devoted to you, Oscar. I've always been. He would, he would be so kind to you, though. I just feel like this yes. is so, we need to say this. I, I feel like he would accept that. So much. I feel like he would accept my he love for him. He has a kind heart. Yes. Oh, he totally would. He would yeah. be like, as you should, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> confidence the confidence the audacity the audacious confidence of that beautiful beautiful man is unbelievable never have anyone like him again you know the world he once in a in a existence there will never be anyone else as amazing as oscar wilde anyway so we'll fangirl (laughs) i'm sure more we freaked out enough about oscar wilde (laughs) yeah like can you guys tell we kind of like oscar wilde he's all right you know love him uh, so we're going to read The Importance of Being Earnest. It's pretty short. Uh, you guys could also go watch it. There's a lot of good um, versions of it. If, but if you guys ever get a chance to see, like, the stage play, like, see it on stage, it is so good. I've seen it multiple times. I've loved it every single time. It is it's so funny. It is so, so hysterically funny. So I'm excited because this is, like, a, as comedy as comedy gets. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be a really good time. Um, it's not a book wreck because it's my book wreck. So I guess it's mine. It's my book Yay! wreck for the pod. Which I mean has previously just been most of them have been my book wrecks and a few listener wrecks here and there. So anyways, um, we'll do that next week. If you guys want to keep with us, keep up with us until then, you can. We are on social media. We are That Pretentious Book Club on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. If you guys have um, book uh, episode suggestions you want us to do maybe next season, you can email us at contact at storysirenstudio.com. That's our production company. Uh, or you can message us on social media. You can also go to storysirenstudio.com if you want to check out some of our merch. We have some really cool merch out right now. And my sister Madison, our graphic designer, is working on some really cool like Shakespeare merch. So if you guys are a short person 
It's specifically geared to short people, this, like, little joke shirt that she's making. So it'll be cute. But even if you're tall, there's still plenty of stuff for you on our store. So go it's check it fine. out. It's fine. You're Listen, I'm short. Yet. Spoons is tall. So, like, we really have – we've encapsulated everyone here, okay? Solidarity, you know. Everyone – we welcome people of every height, okay? We do. We do. We definitely don't discriminate. Um, no, no, no. So go check that out if you guys want to support the pod or just have some really cool bookish merch. And then um, if you guys also want to support us in a different way, you guys can go to Patreon at StorySirenStudio.com or Story Science Studio and um, our videos and stuff are up there. So if you guys ever want to see videos or bonus episodes, all of that good stuff is there for you guys to check out. And... I think that's everything that we've got. If you guys enjoyed the episode and you don't mind leaving us a review below, that would be fantastic. And spread the word to your friends and we'll keep growing the club. It has been growing per usual, which is just, it's great. I did not think many, many moons ago when we began this that we would have so many listeners. It's so nice. I Honestly, it's crazy. It is. It's amazing. It's delightful. So thank you guys for being with us. And we are excited to do more episodes with you guys. And we'll see you next week. And until then, keep your teacups full. Your pinkies high. And your book club. Pretentious. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) 